The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We are coming to you live from Salem, New Hampshire, and today our topic is my dog just bit someone, now what? And I thought about this because when Scott gets calls, quite frequently he'll say something like, well, what prompted you to call? And it's normally like, well, something, an incident happened within the last couple of days or the last couple of weeks after or so. Share their backstory. Yeah, <laughs> after the backstory. Not on? No, hey. you're not on. I kind of liked it better with you, Son not on. Son of a gun. <laughs> They're just trying to squeeze me right out of this <laughs> he thing. Said, he said after they share their backstory and they call and they tell me they had an incident. All right, first we have to start with the quirky tip of the day. Is it on? <laughs> as long as the pig can be yeah. heard. The our pig quir- has his own mic. Our quirky tip. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited about this. We are officially going to New England Cigar Expo. It is the end of September, mm. Friday, September 29th and 30th. You can buy tickets for one day or for two days. Scott and I will be there both days. And the second day is the single day event, you guys. So you can buy tickets. It's a huge, huge, huge event. The Cigar Authority will be podcasting live. Micro-wrestling will be taking place. If you've never seen it before, I hear it's the cat's meow. We cannot wait to see it. Chrissy will be performing. There's vendors everywhere. So check it out. You can buy tickets. Um, two guys dot, what is it? Two guys cigar.com. Let me see. I got to yes. see that. The number two guys cigars.com. <laughs> okay, perfect. Chrissy knows. Um, if click you go on the link and click on their Expo. website, there's a banner right on the very top. Cigar Expo. Buy your tickets the end of September. It's going to be the New England event. It's held in Wyndham, New Hampshire, and we're officially going. We're like real cigar folks now. The micro wrestling, we got to get that in quick because they... It's going to be outlawed, I think. In, in, <laughs> Stop in, it. In Don't the even state. listen to Scott. But literally, <laughs> you guys. And the second day is an outdoor event, so it doesn't have to be like that you're a big cigar connoisseur. You don't have to get freaked out about the smoke. So come. You know, we'll be there good. as the quirky dog. It's going to be super fun. If we, we can't could send wait. the protection dogs on the micro wrestlers, okay, let's, that let's would be not, the ultimate. Let's maybe do that for the following year. That's the year. tie in. <laughs> I'm going to bring a small year. suit, small yeah. bite suit. Speaking of that, Scott just got a mini Rottweiler as a client. Oh, yeah. We should have put the picture up. Well, so they said it was yeah. a mini Rottweiler. I said, I never heard of that before and um they said well it's a a chihuahua rottweiler mix and i thought okay well it's a mix but then when i get to the house i mean it does look like a little rottweiler yeah and it's intentionally someone in i can't remember where the i'll find the website but someone is breeding these chihuahua rottweiler mixes to create a small version of a rottweiler and it looks like the markings, it looks like a Rottweiler. Yeah, it doesn't look said, like a mix. It looks Scott like a Rottweiler. said they could get up to, you know, 60 pounds or so. And I suppose if you're mixing you the proper temperaments, it might work. I don't know. I might contact the breeder. No, you, you just need like six stand. of them at, for protection. Well, I know, but house. I thought they'd be good for the micro wrestling with the protection. All right. Mm. So speaking of biting and biting dogs and all this stuff, um, I wanted to talk about this because I, uh, have you had personal dogs bite someone? I guess we could have cleared uh, this before the podcast. Oh, you had Malma the pool guy. Loco, yeah, he bit the pool guy. Yeah. And, Anything um, else? No, but I, I want to say in my dog's defense, <laughs> the dog was fenced three layers from the public. And this guy went out of his way to get to that last fence, stick his hand in there, and then the dog bit his hand. And so he wasn't complaining. He said, hey, I'm an idiot. Yeah. I said, yeah, But I think, I mean, is that the only time you've had your dog? Yeah. And I was thinking about back with me. I mean, I've owned dogs, honestly, for 30 plus years now. 
Um, I cannot think of an instance. Kayla, the, the border collie that you knew. Yeah, um, one of one my time, favorites. Yeah, one time uh, we were at Kate, my best friend from college's like aunt's house, and there was like a, I don't know, her goddaughter at the time was like three or four, and Kayla kind of did like a hurting like behavior. It wasn't like a full bite. Nothing was on the kid or anything, and if you guys are watching, it was a problem, and I put her right up afterward, but the kid kind of like was startled and made a thing, and I realized that it was a hurting thing, but I think that's the closest I've ever had to did my dog actually... Bite actually I think she just kind of went up and like oh. did whatever. I, it That's wasn't, nothing. there wasn't, well, still it it's was. It's a kid's fault. <laughs> to me, that was at least an instance that I can remember. But uh, as far as that goes, like we have a lot of aggressive pet dogs. We have our own personal dogs. We don't have a lot of experience with this personally as far as, you know, these instances happening and what happens afterward. But we wanted to give you guys some tidbits and some tips out there because a lot of people do have this issue happen. And sometimes out of the blue, people are very surprised. Nothing has happened before. And what do you do when this situation happens? First thing I would do is blame the person that got bit. Well, that is Yell what happens them. often, you guys. And that's kind of why we want to flesh I'm this out a little, a little bit. He's being very sarcastic. Once he's like halfway into a cigar before we even start filming, we're screwed. But literally, that is often kind of what happens. People are either they're saying like, oh, it wasn't the dog's fault. Yeah, They're making excuses for, you know, the dog. They're blaming the other person. They're kind of like sloughing it off like, oh, it wasn't a big issue. They're not taking it as seriously as they should. And then maybe when it gets to like three or four bites, then they're finally like picking up the phone and calling someone. I will say there are some people that there's one instance and they call you and they're like, oh my gosh, should I put my dog down? Like what should happen? They're very, very concerned about it. But we're going to give you like kind of a plan of action here if this happens. So my rule of thumb would be if you have an instance, whether it be the pool guy like Scott did three fence layers in or, you know, an aggression incident out of the blue, whether it be someone, you know, that got bit, a stranger that got bit, anything else. The first thing you should do is obviously you're going to talk to your inner circle and inform your spouse and stuff, but call a trainer who specializes in aggressive. Let's back up, back up. There's steps way before that. Okay. Well, what's, what steps are before that? Your dog just bit somebody. You don't leave the scene. Oh, well, you don't yeah. rush out yeah, of there. If it's a stranger, you exchange, yes. You find if it's it's like a car accident. You're obviously the, giving them your information. If the um, dog has broken the skin, there needs to be an exchange of uh, information because they need to make sure that the they get your dog's rabies certificate because they could have a big problem if they go to the doctor. They got bit. They don't know what the dog was, where the dog is. They might have to do all these rabies shots, do all kinds of crap. That they shouldn't have to go through. Yeah, all right. So the so responsible severe... thing is the dog bites some, breaks a skin, even if it's small. There should be an exchange of uh, information. Completely. And quite right. often, so... the people don't even go to the doctor. Yeah, Nine they don't have to. Nine times out of ten, they don't even they don't go to the doctor. To. And they say, oh, sorry, no big deal. Yeah. All right. So I'm thinking more so you have an incident that doesn't break the skin. Maybe someone you know, your neighbor, your friend, even a family member. Sometimes this happens. So you're all freaked out. Everything is fine. Obviously, when there's strangers at play, it's a different protocol, and we're going to go through that as well. But when that happens, the first thing I would do is go to the internet and search for a trainer who specializes in aggression, who has reviews that's talked about doing aggressive um, training before. Scott's blowing out the pig's blowhole right now with the fuzz coming out. And you're really going to be like discussing this with the person in depth and saying like, you know, can we do some classes? What do you think of this situation? What should I do? Please do not go and throw your dog on medication if they have, you know, one bite and that, that should not be your protocol moving forward. And now Scott's right. So let's talk about some more severe instances. So that situation that happened at Home Depot, what, like last month or whatever? Yeah. And that was... I was pretty screwed up. It was because the, the trainer was there with the person that owned the dog and the dog bit someone and the 
the trainer and this client, they took like off out of there out quick. Of the, yeah, scurried out. And of out. course, they were all on video. There was video, you know, surveillance cameras in the Home Depot, and they wound up finding out who they were. But that's a bigger criminal offense, if there even is a criminal offense there, leaving the scene. That's the crime. Yeah. Accidents happen. Quite often, they get resolved. Yeah. But then to try and get out of it, run away, you know, that's not the right thing to do. Yeah. It's like driving away from a car accident. Like, these aren't... This isn't... Well, I've what done we that. Do. Well, <laughs> drunk. Okay. Again, half cigar. I have I mean, to monitor before we start filming. If there's no one else in the other vehicle, who's going to know? Uh, okay. So, <laughs> the first thing, if it's something serious and it's a stranger, even if it's something minor, even if it's a scratch for some reason that the dog jumped up and scratched, but more likely it's going to be something with the mouth and teeth and a bite, you're going to give them your information. As Scott mentioned, the rabies certificate is a huge situation. So, that may be something that they're asking for. Ideally, you have a rabies cert on file or you're calling your vet up. You're getting a copy of that one right away and you're you're making sure that the lines of communication are open. That's a huge part of this and that's a huge part of being a responsible pet owner and everything else. No, so, can I elaborate yeah, on that? I want you to. My first gut instinct is not to volunteer to give information to someone. Uh, and that's the wrong, I think that's in hindsight here, the wrong thing to do. Because if someone gets a, a, a nip, a small nip, and they say, oh, it's okay. And nine times out of 10, it is. And I've heard about this from my own clients. It's a service person comes to their house. The, the guy, typically it's a man. He goes to pet the dog. The dog nips his hand. And then they quite often blame themselves and say, oh, it was my fault. You know, no big deal. And it all is resolved. But at least the contractor knows where this person and the dog lives. And the reason I bring this up is because quite often a little tiny bite the next day can all of a sudden be Become infected an and yeah. be a huge friggin' problem. And frequently with these issues, whether it be, you know, dogs <clears throat> jumping up and getting, you know, the outside of a garment or anything else, frequently there's not even necessarily tooth marks. It's just kind of a bruise because the clothing has saved you somewhat, especially if it's a serviceman with thicker pants and everything else. So looking at the severity of the bite is obviously important, but if there's any puncture whatsoever, they should have a way to find you and get back to you. And yes, the FedEx man knows how to get back to your house if they need you, but if it's someone that's just been shopping at the store, they should be able to contact you. All right. So we've talked about exchanging information, making sure rabies certs are up to date. I am big on calling a trainer. Do you agree with that one? Well, of course you need to make sure this doesn't happen again. And I tell most of my clients, cause I've had many clients call me after a bite and I'll say, has it happened before? And they'll say no. And I'll say, well, this was your free bite. Yeah. You know, you got a freebie here. And now you need to make sure this never happens again. If they tell me, oh, this has happened three or four times. Now it's getting into just irresponsible dog ownership and handling, that they're letting this happen multiple times. And I hate to say that to people, but it's true. If it happens one time and immediately they want to address it, good. You got your free bite. It wasn't serious. Let's make sure this doesn't happen again. Yeah, and and this all matters because if it's your neighbor or someone visiting or something else, let's come up with that situation. So you have house guests for the weekend. The dog has been fine for months to years in your home, no issue whatsoever, and it's something with this specific guest. I would tell you right off the bat, now you're going to have different protocols while that house guest is in your home, right? You don't have a lot of visitors. You're not going to allow that to happen multiple times throughout the weekend. If something happened randomly, caught everybody out off guard, that's fine. But now the dog is in another room. It's in a crate. You're not allowing this to keep building if it's a situation with a guest. Young children, um, I would say that this is pretty common. It pops up that, you know, the kid did something or, you know, the dog sometimes honestly is out to get the kid. Some dogs do not like children or anything 
else. Scott would tell most owners, and I hear him say this quite frequently, if there's an issue with your child and the dog in the house, that's going to be very hard to resolve. Like, especially if it's a serious bite to the face or something, that's a situation where you're probably going to want to have oh, that dog. Oh, there's a resolution there. Be, well, there is. Yes, you can euthanize. But also, there can be a way that some of those dogs could go live in a house without kids or something. But he has pretty much a zero tolerance policy of you know, aggression with young children in the house and the dog that you're owning and there being multiple instances or a serious instance or anything else. Like that's more than management and training and everything else can take on. Um, If it's a service person, this is a common one, territorial aggression, something else. You need to be more responsible with your practices about when is my dog out? Where is my electric meter? How does my dog have access? Scott was trying pretty freaking hard in California to have multiple layers of fences. Maybe there should have been signs up. Do not enter. Dangerous dog. Whatever it would be, there needs to be a protocol now that you're putting in place on top of all your other protocols to prevent that from happening in the future. A lot of people have issues with the invisible fence because the FedEx truck can drive up and you know the dogs can be running out and have access to that. Maybe you change the border of your fence line. Maybe you make a note, please leave packages at the mailbox. You're putting in another layer of protocols. So when you got your free bite, as Scott likes to call it, it's never happening again. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I would say a more normal scenario would be you're walking your dog down the street and someone wants to come up and pet your dog. Yeah. Someone comes out of your blind side and just comes right up and goes right down to your dog. And then there's a nip there. Yeah. And now you're in public with a dog that's biting people. Mm-hmm. So it's automatically, it's, it's your fault. And uh, so, and I say it's your fault because most people have a hard time accepting responsibility for someone coming out of the blue and jumping down into their dog's face. And I say it's still your responsibility because Jess and I have dogs out on leash all the time in public. Nobody gets contact with the dog. I mean, I am so proactive in scanning and that, that situational awareness of yep. what's going on around me, behind me. And if someone's approaching, I already have in my mind what, how I'm going to deal with this. Yeah. Are they going to keep coming? I'm going to keep walking. If they're just going to get they're coming up faster, I'm going to get the dog. I'm going to be between the dog and the person. And Scott's also very assertive on a leash. All right, let's talk about how we'll prevent the one on the street from happening in the future if it's a stranger while you're out walking after break. Up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast, like me and Murphy here, then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, so... (laughs) I love my husband so much. He's the most wonderful husband in the world. I am pretty special. So you're out in the street. This is a common one. Scott is right. If this happens once with someone... I don't care what happened. I don't care why. The first thing I would recommend you do is condition your dog to a muzzle and get the dog so you can be walking in a muzzle in the future. So no matter if you're on a very, you know, quiet country road, the dog is just accustomed to walking this way and they can never actually make contact again. What would you say your protocol would be? Well, one thing uh, that uh, I see the bites happen more is with the retractable leash. Yeah. So if you have a dog that has the freedom to 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 walk beside you, but also go 10 feet away from you in an instant, you shouldn't be using a retractable leash because you don't know how to use that leash properly to stop that dog in time. You don't have the the dexterity or the practice because I know that some trainers use the retractable and they have no problems with it. 
But there's a lot of technique in using a retractable leash. Yeah, they're leash. very adept to be dealing yeah, with that. And so, Scott's right. So now we're talking about an equipment change. So you're out in public, and we're talking about an equipment change. Some people like the gentle leader. It can control the dog's head more. Of course, the dog can still bite in a gentle leader. But if your dog has a good concept of loose leash walking and isn't going to injure their neck in that tool, some people like to have control of their head and their neck in that way. I'm talking about introducing a muzzle. If you are curious, in the show notes, I put our previous muzzle um podcast and we did a whole podcast called muzzle me and it brought up we like the baskerville muzzle most but it doesn't fit all breed types and everything and we did a whole podcast with all kinds of different companies that create all kinds of different muzzles and ways to condition the dog and everything else so you can check that podcast out below but you're going to be maybe changing your leash that's a great one you go from a retractable leash to a leash Uh, those bungee leashes can be just as dangerous right like depending on how much slack they have in them now you're talking about having a leather leash or biothane leash, something that isn't stretching so much. So you're obviously still going to be talking to a trainer, one who specializes in aggression, one who has reviews with aggression, one that you feel comfortable working with and think that you can work through some of these issues and help with training to prevent bites from happening again. You're never going to work with a trainer that is going to tell you, oh, the dog will never bite again. That is not what happens with aggression cases. There shouldn't be guarantees with aggression cases, everything else. But you should have uh, protocols and plans of action within how to do loose leash walking on the street, how to get your dog under control in these different situations, whether it be at Home Depot, at Petco, anywhere else. And you're going to be introducing or changing equipment. So that's a good one for on the street. What other instances pop up with biting? Let's talk about biting within the family, too. I will tell you about two dogs I know that never, ever bit anybody that then bit somebody. Okay. Okay. So we have a friend, a mutual friend that had a protection dog. The dog was, I think, about 11 years old, 11 or 12 years old at that time. 12 years. The dog never, great temperament, never bit anybody. And this, this gentleman had... A couple over to his house to spend the weekend. They were laying on the floor, and the woman who was visiting and the dog was went and got on his, her dog bed, and the woman crawled over. She was to sleeping the, too. The dog was sleeping. The dog was sleeping. The dog was on the dog bed. The woman crawled over. The dog nailed her in the face. Mm-hmm. Severe bite out of the blue. So dogs sometimes, you know, dogs well, especially will, in things, that state, as they're aging, as they're sleeping, now, everything else. You can bring in maybe that territorial component whatever, but it was a situation where the dog had never bitten anyone before. And the woman crawled over into the dog's face and got bit. But then I can tell you this happened once with my brother and his kids, and it wasn't a big bite, but it was an incident where he was asked to house sit for a couple friend, friends of his, clients of his that had a dog. And they said, hey, you can stay at our house. It was a great house right on the water. So him and his couple of kids and the wife, you know, the family, they stayed in this house. And the dog was fine, but the younger son was so excited to see this dog that he ran after the dog. And when he got the dog, he gave the dog a big hug. Mm -hmm. And the dog turned and nipped him. And it wasn't a bad bite or anything, but it was the behavior. Here's the dog in his own house and some kid now chasing him around the house. So the dog got all stressed out. So situations like that where, and it happens quite often with dog walkers that have to go into someone's house to get a dog and we've had this incident, this situation many times, or not many, but with a few dogs several times, where we get, you know, the dog gets to know the dog walker. So now the dog walker can go in, take this dog out, go for a walk, bring him back. But these dog walking companies have several employees. So now that lady or man can't go in. They have a different person go into that house now. Now it's a stranger going into the house, and the dog is all stressed out with the territorial aggression and 
the nipping and all that okay, stuff. Okay, so know? the first two instances that you talked about, we're talking about better management around the dogs and everything else. If you're guest sitting or house sitting a do- another dog that isn't yours, that's kind of hard to control. Don't and bring your dog you, into that situation You either. might want to be conscious of, you know, maybe not having young kids be part of the family watching your dog. What would you do for the dog walker situation since you bring that up? What is your point about going there? How are we going to well, help people there? these are situations there? where people, you know, a dog can nip or... They lose their dog walking company. The dog walking company doesn't want to go there anymore. But there needs to be pro- – we established some protocols with that particular dog where the lady typically didn't crate her dog. But whenever the dog walker was coming, the dog was in a crate that morning so that the dog walker had a better control of the dog to get them out rather than the dog runs through the house into the bedroom, hides under the bed, hides in the corner, and now the person's in there trying to get him out, which is heightening the dog's or fear. Or coming to the door with territorial aggression. Right. So, so you if you have the dog walking situation, ideally maybe you're going with a smaller company where there isn't as much turnover and everything else. And then if there is going to be a newer employee, take the day off. Be there for the intro. Schedule an intro separate from when it actually has to be occurring while you're at work and you need your dog to go out to make that go more smoothly and seamlessly. And there's not any sort of guarantee that... All of this is going to always go swimmingly, but putting these protocols into place in the front end is going to help you from dealing with having to face this call of, oh my gosh, my dog bit someone, having to deal with all the fallout of that, you know, the stress, the training, everything else. Because even if it's not a big bite, people get really freaked out, guys. And rightfully so. It is a big deal for a dog to choose to actually go and open its mouth and bite someone out of aggression. We're not talking about like little play biting and stuff. It is a big leap to go from a dog who's maybe, you know, growling or a little standoffish to actually going forward and putting its teeth into someone. Yeah. And you want to make sure, I mean, from the dog's perspective, we want the dogs to be comfortable in their own home and not feel they're in a position where they have to bite. They have no other choice but to bite. Yeah, completely. All right. I want to talk about aggression within the family because this happens, you know, more frequently than one would think. I'm sorry, but there's, whether it be a new rescue that just doesn't like, you know, one partner in the partnership, or it be a dog that was raised as a puppy, but it doesn't like one family member. This is a pretty common situation. It doesn't even have to involve kids where the dog really has an issue with a specific family member. So how do you work through that? What do you deal with? And how do you move forward? So if there has not been a bite before, and there's definitely a relationship problem, I would suggest that you guys are going and doing some work, like going to do some work with a competent trainer. And especially that person who doesn't do well with the dog is involved in the training, right? It does not matter how tight and how dialed in the dog can be with the family member they already do well with. They need to be able to work with that family member they do less well with. If it's a situation where, you know, the dog is going after the other partner in the middle of the night, we're big at crating dogs overnight, right? They're not going to be on the bed anymore. That is not a situation that they're allowed to do. They're not allowed to rehearse resource guarding the bed, resource guarding a person, keeping a dog away. If there's one incident where there's a bite, you need to address it right then. I mean, if you're going to have this same family member and this same dog still living within the same household, you need to address it right on the spot. So this does happen, I would say, at least a quarter of the time with our bite incidents, that it's, it's something within the family, there's a trigger, something else. And you're going to have to address that right from the get-go, ideally before a bite occurs. And when you're seeing all these warning signs and you're working with a trainer that is competent and putting together a training plan to make everyone feel more comfortable. And quite often, just like with the dog walker situation, that is going to involve more management. That is going to involve some crating. That is going to involve some structured walking. That is going to involve the dog's world getting a little bit smaller so everyone can live together more harmoniously. Yeah, there's certain times of the day when it's great to have a dog that's acclimated to a crate because 
You might be having company. When we have company over, nine times out of ten, they don't see our dogs. They don't hear our dogs. They wouldn't even know we had dogs most of the time when people come to the house. And the main reason for that is that we have multiple dogs. If we had one dog, well, actually like Max, our older dog, he's always loose and he's very social, but he's also fairly aloof. He's not running over and jumping on new people. He could care less. So he's a great neutral dog to be loose all the time. But since we have multiple dogs and they're all drivey and they're all pretty intense, we just put them away when we know people are coming and there's no problem. And if they're dog people, we're not introducing all the dogs out at once is a big pack overwhelming the dogs and the people. You know, if you come out at a time and it's just more of a, what were you going to say? I was going to say, when you said dog people, I think working dog people, as opposed to just pet dog people. Working dog people have no interest in seeing my dogs. Uh, They have their own dogs. They really don't care. Most people aren't having working dog people over (laughs) as guests. I know. Um, So you have this situation and that's a good point to bring up is when someone's coming to the house, normally the triggers are right when the person's coming in or right when the person goes to leave or right when there's some transition from everyone's, you know, eating cheese and crackers and then some person gets up and then the dog's, you know, fear reactive and nervous about that. So start controlling those situations better where the dog is maybe out in the yard when the person is actually entering the house, when the doorbell rings, everything else let the dog come out dragging a leash around when things are, you know, calmer and everything else. And maybe the dog will change its behavior. Do not allow these repetitions of doorbell ring, dog slams door. You're holding the dog back. Dog's barking ferociously. You're letting the dog go, seeing what happens with the guests. I'm almost promising you guys, and I don't want to promise, you know, loosely, but I'm almost promising you that that will turn into a bite at some point. So please start to see these warning signs and set up some stuff on the front end. And then when the bite does happen, you can be very sorry. You can be very concerned. You can make a lot of excuses, but you need to call a trainer who is competent in dealing with aggression to help you because you do need more protocols, whether it be having your dog stay on a place board, whether it be your dog being able to be quiet in a crate, whether your dog is able to actually walk on a loose leash, not be lunging and being reactive. You need to have, maybe the dog, you can call the dog. You can recall the dog. If the FedEx man is, you know, not following the sign, not staying at the mailbox, everything else. You need to be able to have a way to call the dog as the dog is running towards the FedEx person. You need to have protocols in place to prevent this from happening in the future. It is so, 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 so important. Yeah, and you may not get a second chance. I mean, if your dog really does nail somebody, that's it. First bite was the last bite. And now because of the way the dog was handled loosely and um, someone came to your house unexpectedly and now the dog nailed somebody, that's it you know, the dog has to be put down and those, that sucks when those things happen, yeah, but and it does happen. When the legal ramifications and everything else unfold, sometimes it does go that way. So since you brought that up, um, if someone calls, the dog's bit someone, maybe it's broken the skin, whatever else, do you, when they say, do I have to put my dog down? What do you say to that? Uh, it depends on where the bite was and what happened. If it was a child and the dog was bit in the face and there's the reconstructive the surgery, face. yeah. Then I'd say this, get the, you know, the dog should be put down. That's what I say. And there's a million dogs out there that need homes. There's several million dogs that need homes. So let's not talk about the child situation. If somebody, uh, any other situation where... Yeah, what was the situation? What happened? So the severity of the bite matters. The context of the bite matters slightly. 
Um, how much, you know, control you're willing to put on the dog matters. If Scott's having a conversation with someone and they say, no, I'm not willing to create, I'm not willing to do this. You know, they're just taking away all of these options. Management only goes so far, right? But it's not more often than not. I mean, we train many dogs with aggression who have had a bite history. It doesn't mean just because your dog bit someone, you should be calling the vet to make that euthanasia appointment. There's small circumstances where that may be the ending result. And especially, you know, if, animal control and everything else gets involved and there's dangerous dogs here, dog hearings and they're ruling against your dog that can unravel into euthanasia, but it is not just an automatic, my dog bit. So now my dog should be euthanized. And that may sound extreme, but a lot of people do ask that question. Yeah. And extreme dog aggression is just a step away from biting a person because quite often the bite happens when someone's trying to break up a dog fight. So it wasn't even that the dog was going after the person. <clears throat> but the person was in the middle of it, and then they got bit. Yeah, and it's easier, <coughs> in my opinion, to manage dog aggression than human aggression also. So I mean, I'll, that I'll give you an example of a, a dog aggression case where another person got bit. Um, I had a client years ago, and this is why, yeah, in that pre-screening, this is a reason why I would not work with a person that didn't want to use an electric collar, just in this one situation. They had a dog they like to take off leash in the woods all the time. The dog... Um, ran up and attacked the dog, and they said, we can't have this. And I said, okay, great. Um, I think if you want to take your dog off leash in the woods, we need to get a good uh, recall on the dog with an electric collar. And they said, absolutely not. We're not using an electric collar. I said, okay, you need to have a 30-foot, 20, 30-foot line on your dog when you go for a walk. And they said, okay, we can do that. And they called me up a week later and said the dog bit somebody on the trail uh, the dog was up ahead of us, went around a bend. We didn't see where the dog went. And there was a lady there with a little dog. The lady picked up her dog over her head. The dog jumped up to bite that dog, bit the lady under the arm. And I said, how is that possible? Well, we weren't holding the leash. So they were so focused on making sure their dog had as much freedom as it possibly could have that they wound up having to get rid of their dog yeah. at the end. You but, know? I mean, it, with dog aggression, we're talking about managing things more, having protocols in place. Obviously, that situation of hiking off-leash in the woods with random dogs is not a situation. But, yes, those redirect bites can turn into human aggression and get you in as much trouble. However, for the majority of this podcast, we're focusing on a dog actually targeting a human, going for a human, having nothing to do with an, another dog whatsoever. So be conscious of these things because this does happen quite frequently, you guys. We did a, our 100th um, podcast episode episode is in the show notes as well. And we focused on dog bites a lot in that episode and actually talked about our own experience getting bit with, you know, random client dogs and our history of working with dogs and dog bites. And literally, I think the statistic was like, there's four and a half million bites per, like there's a lot of dog bites. There's a lot of uh, dog aggression and uh, dog bites that happen. And I think that you'd be less, if your dog did bite someone and it, you know, it happened, uh, there's much less chance of it escalating into a bigger issue if you're right there and you're being you know forthcoming with the people and you're trying to make everything right uh, people get really upset when you just take off or that's you know what I mean that they get when you don't you don't take act, responsibility. you don't act responsibly yeah yeah that's what pisses people off more than the bite yeah you know they're like oh the dog bit me they took off running now they're on social media, hunt this people down, and yeah. I got a picture of their car and all this crap, yeah. you know? So do the responsible thing right in the moment, and then after that, the first thing you do is pick up the phone and or Google or whatever, and you're looking for a trainer nearby that's competent in dealing with aggression. And I, I will say also, just to wrap it up, that even if the people are, 
taking responsibility for getting bit. If they need medical attention, the doctor is going to report that bite to animal control. I think it's a legal responsibility they yeah. have. So now your dog is still in the system as a yeah. biter. And, and we all get, that stuff, we loop you know? into that whole process more in the hundredth episode as well. And those uh, regulations vary state by state. So just if this has happened with you or you have a client where, you know, oh my gosh, my dog just bit someone. What do I do next? You're going to deal with the situation at hand, and then you're going to reach out to a competent trainer who's capable of dealing with aggression, okay? You guys have a great Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us, and don't forget to keep it quirky and buy your tickets for the New England Cigar Expo. We'll see you there. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.